welcome to the 15th episode of the Shameless Picture Show podcast. I'm Michael Vyers, and with me, as always, is a man who every day goes to the gym to work out his abs of kindness. <laughs> Nick Richards. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> today's episode is horrible, except not really. Today we'll be discussing the massively popular Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. This 2008 web series tells the story of the title character, Dr. Horrible, and his aspirations to be a feared supervillain. Issue is, he's pretty terrible at it. Or horrible, I guess, we would have been the the go-to joke for the that. The operative, yeah. Uh, it was too easy, though. I respect the, the choice. It was too easy. But regardless, he laments about it profusely on his blog, which I, I even wrote in my notes is more of a vlog, but that's just being yes. nerdy. Um, while updating his blog, he tells the story of Penny, the girl he can't get to notice him. Driven by playfully catchy musical numbers, Dr. Horrible attempts to balance the girl he loves and his supervillainry. The web series stars Neil Patrick Harris, Nathan Fillion, and Felicia Day, and has gone on to capture not only the hearts of millions, but a rather impressive amount of awards. <laughs> so that's, you know, coming along. You got a little crush, don't you, Doc? You talk to her? I'm just a few weeks away from a real audible connection. You always say in your blog that you will show her the way, show her you are a true villain. So, as of tonight, I am in the evil league of evil. I want to be an achiever. My bad horse. The thoroughbred of sin? I meant Gandhi. is a mess and I just need to rule it. That's not a good sound. Billy? Yeah? You're driving the spork into your leg. So I am. Hilarious. Wow, that was a lot more difficult to get through this time for some reason. <laughs> so, this... The tongue twister. Yeah. Like, I, Felicia Day, I did not think it was going to stumble me up as much as it did. To be fair, she she makes me Twitter painted also. Yeah, I, I I feel like that is a commonality amongst a lot of my nerd friends. But I uh, I wouldn't say I don't get it because, you know, she's a rather attractive young woman. I never watched The Guild, and that's where okay. everyone is. That's the reason I feel like so many people are obsessed with her. So I know her from this and the reboot of, uh, of Mystery Science Theater. So, yeah. I, I don't have the love that everyone else does yet. I haven't seen a whole lot of the guild. My appreciation for her comes a lot from uh, Deacon Sundry, which is their like nerd web portal. Okay. Um, and um, the the film Rock Jocks. No, I've not seen that either. Super obscure. It, it ended up on I, I'm assuming Netflix, but. Um, my dad, who, who we have we have pretty different tastes in movies, but we appreciate each other's tastes. And 
He's like, Nick, you gotta check out this film. It's really funny. It's called Rot Shots. I'm like, yeah, okay, Dad, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I was visiting one day. No, really, you haven't seen it yet? Let me put it on. I'm like, holy shit, that's Felicia Day. And <laughs> it's, it's a really, really funny, it's about um, like a bunch of people that are protecting the earth from meteorites that, are, that would ordinarily blow up the earth that are far more common than we think they are. That is not so at all what I thought this movie was going to be about. Right, yeah, me either. Uh, I thought it was going to be about, like, you know, rock DJs. Yeah, or or, or rock and roll music or some, some not shit. Not literal rocks. That's, <laughs> that was not where I was expecting that to go. Uh, but it has a bit of a <coughs> The Office vibe to it, where it's just kind of like these people in this environment trying to coexist with each other. It's It's funny. All right. Okay. Tangent over. Tangent over. Um, uh, but yes, I guess I should talk about what I think. I liked it a lot. I, I honestly didn't know what to go, what I was getting myself <laughs> into. Because um, uh, early college, Michael was dating this girl named Tina, who was, who was super into this. And just based on like the pictures I saw, like I thought it was going to be like a Dr. Frankenstein type thing. Like I thought Dr. Horrible was more of a doctor (laughs) (laughs) he's not a a medical doctor he has a phd in horribleness i wanted it's it's not an md in horribleness. i want to know like what you can do with a phd in horribleness but regardless uh i especially because of his look and everything and then like i think the poster i saw was it's not black and white but it's all solid blue i was like oh this is going to be a spoof of like 50s monster movies i was wrong (laughs) um but no, I liked it a lot. Like at first, like uh, I was like, "Oh, this is cute," and you know, it was just it was doing its thing. But like, by the time that I got the all 42, 45 minutes of it, I was like, "Oh, that that really hit me in the feels." It, it it's strangely poignant, and every time I watch it, that is reinforced. The what really seals the deal for me is that last shot, very last shot. Yeah. He's, He's going through and becoming the full-fledged supervillain. I mean, at its core, this is a, a villain origin story yeah. that you're not that you're not expecting. And then uh, I'm, I may be putting the cart before the horse here uh, in talking about the ending before we talk about any of the rest of it. Um, but you know, he he turns into the supervillain with the with the overly dramatic costuming and and the lead, the evil lead of evil, and then, and he's singing the song about how, you know, now everything has come together and I am the villain that I've been trying to be the whole time, and the last word or two cuts back to him doing the video blog um, in his casual clothes, but it's like a dark hoodie versus the more normal casual that he has. Yeah. It's just... His eyes are devoid of feeling and life, and you can tell that it, there's so much humanity behind this supervillain. So great. Now the nightmare's real. Now Dr. Horrible is here to make you quake Yeah, 
like that that honestly that last uh that last shot is what did it for me and there's there's moments throughout it but like that last shot is like okay this took on a different life for me yeah because like so there's things i like throughout it like um his his big dramatic song um i uh, i'm looking at the track names um uh, it was, I think it was, uh, it was slipping. I think like right when he froze, do- uh, do- uh, when he froze a uh, Captain Hammer. Yeah. Right after, and like that's the thing I like too. It, it balanced its humor very well. You know, you'll have you have Captain Hammer's "Everyone's a Hero" song, which is just so goofy and over the top and and perfect. And then you you've got his 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 song, which I can't describe like the 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 feelings behind it, but it's. Um, I don't know. Just, I like the instrumentation a lot, and it's just like it had a completely different tone. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm having a hard time describing <coughs> my uh, my your, feelings. Your reaction to it? Yeah. <laughs> it also doesn't help that I've had no time to stew on it because I literally just watched it last night. <laughs> I, I, I have seen it dozens and dozens of times, but I had it playing on my cell phone on my drive into work and dropping my son off at daycare this morning. Yeah, while to you refresh you, myself. While you stole one child, you 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 dropped it off the other. Right. Sorry, that was a reference that no one else got. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. We can just cut that dumb joke out. <laughs> <laughs> no way. We gotta leave in our awkwardness. That's I have to say, us. like, I, I've had people tell me that some of their favorite things is the fact that we'll openly talk about things we're gonna cut out, and we never do. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why bother? Yeah. We're still committed to the idea of cutting it out. We like the idea of it, but then there's always that person in the back of your brain going, "Don't do that." It's always we're very, com- we're very committed to our non-committal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if anything, we are consistent. Consistently inconsistent? No, we're yeah. consistently consistent with our inconsistent. No, <laughs> too much. Dial it back. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, for those uh, for those of you at home, uh, because well, I guess everyone would be at home or in your car, or whatever. Anyways, this is actually take two of this episode because we've had some audio issues. But before we had to call it quits, Nick was asking me a question. Nick, what was that question? Ah, what, um... This is such a goofy episode. (laughs) It's it's off to a rough start, but I I feel momentum picking up. Um, This isn't the first time we've talked about Joss Whedon. No! Uh, We we did an an episode on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, but we've also mentioned him several times, and it was a mention in last week's or last episode... uh, where we started talking about this film that prompted this episode. But um, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon. I really like his his writing style and his directing, and you can tell I, I watched a behind-the-scenes of the making of this, of Dr. Horrible, and you get that same vibe of, of how fun he is to work with and, and create things with. But um, what what's your take on Whedon? Where, where are you in the Whedon-dom? I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest. Um, I um, hold on, let me pull up his filmography real quick, so sure. I can give you an idea of how much I've seen. Though I'm, I'm gonna admit it's not much. Um, I will say, uh, and this is not anything to do with his work. This is more so, I guess, just, and this is not even fair to say because I don't know him, but it's just the personality he gives off in his interviews. I think sometimes he's kind of a dick. 
And, you know, he might not be because here's the thing about journalism. Everyone knows that, you know, quotes are taken are, are, are misquoted all the time or taken out of context. So he oh. might not be. I just think sometimes he's a little he's a little down on on his own stuff. And not even that, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he's overly critical sometimes and whatever. Um, <laughs> so maybe a dick's not the right thing to say. Um, I just wish he'd be a little more optimistic sometimes. Because it seems like, you know, like the 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 handful of things that he is lo- that he has liked that he has done has been like you could count it on one hand. Yeah. But anyways, uh, and the the few I haven't seen a lot of interview stuff with him, but it's it's interesting to hear your reaction because that's not my impression at all from the few I've seen. It's been very like optimistic and. Hey, hey, fellow nerds, you can do it too. Like I'm nobody special. You, you know, you have all the same skills that I have. I will say though, I've not watched many interviews with him. I've only read them. So oh. maybe that is what's peppering my opinion. And like I said, I don't There's want a loss in translation. Yeah. Thing. So like, I don't want to make it seem like I dislike the guy because like he seems like he'd be a cool dude. I just. Um, I guess like it just it just it just it just rubbed me the wrong way when I was reading his comments about the Buffy movie, and it's because I I do like the Buffy movie so much, and he does not. No, no, Josh, you're wrong about your own film. It's amazing. <laughs> Buffy's great, Josh. Shut up. <laughs> Nobody cares what you think, Josh. Except I'd probably get stoned if I went to a comic con and said that. I, I also just realized how strange it is to say his first name without his last name. I know Joss. It's like Joss, Joss and Jed, his brother, who he fights a lot of stuff <laughs> I with. I saw his... that. I was like, oh, his parents and his his dad's name is John. Ooh. His parents have a sense of humor. John, Jed, and Joss. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping there's just one somewhere like Kiki, Kiki Whedon. It just doesn't fit. Anyways, uh, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his his um his writer uh credits because I, I feel like most. They're gonna. There's gonna be some back and forth. So apparently he yeah, wrote. He... Ep- I'll continue. Oh, go ahead. No, because apparently he wrote episodes for Roseanne, which I didn't know. That's kind of cool. Nice. Um. Uh. So I saw. I've seen Roseanne, but I'm not really gonna count that. Uh. <laughs> I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, which I love. Apparently he wrote Toy Story, which I also love. Huh. Maybe he was a writer on uh, Alien yeah. Resurrection. Haven't seen. Uh, Titan. <laughs> he apparently wrote Titan AE, which I loved as a kid, but I don't remember if it's any good. He also uh, came up with the story for Atlantis: The Lost Empire, which I'm not surprised by. I I really enjoy that one. Me too. Plus, main character named Milo. It is. It is. Um, hey, Frankenstein. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna bring the camera down so everyone at home could see my puppy Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Hi, Frank. Hey, Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Anyways, um, so so far based on we'll, his writing credits, I, I I'm sorry, what? Uh, we'll say that we're gonna cut that out, and then not. Yeah, probably not. Um, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I'm still working my way through, but I haven't seen a lot of it. Um, here's the biggest one. I feel like this is what why so many people love uh, Joss Whedon. I've never seen Firefly. Oh, yes. And that's also, because I was going to say, and I also don't mean this in a bad way, I don't get everyone's obsession of Nathan Fillion, and it's probably because I haven't seen Firefly. 
Yeah. I've seen Nathan Fillion in things, and he's just never as great as I'm hoping he's going to be. Yeah. Like, Cap- if you're rating him based on Castle, like, not my nah, favorite. Yeah, I've never seen Castle either. I'm going off of, like, <laughs> Captain Hammer, uh, a couple of his cameos. Captain, Captain Hammer, Hammer is amazing. Captain and Hammer, it's I so love. Nathan Fillion. Oh, goodness, look at my wrist. I gotta go. But, but what about your clothes? I don't love these. See ya. Oh, pardon. Pardon. Um, Billy, this is Captain Hammer. Oh, Billy, the laundry buddy. Well, it is very nice to meet you. We're meeting now for the first time. You look horribly familiar. One of those faces, I guess. Have I seen you at the gym? At the gym. I don't go to the gym. I'm just naturally like this. Oh well. Okay. So, have we, we we had this conversation in our last take of this too? Is it Fillin or Fillion? I don't know. I'm guess I'm I'm saying the I. I'm saying Fillion. I I always said Fillion before, but Nathan, if you're listening, if you could just call us up and pronounce your last name for us, that would be great. Yeah, the lines are open. Uh, so I've never <laughs> seen Firefly. I've never seen Serenity. Um, Which never... Serenity is the yeah. movie follow-up? I've I've never seen Dollhouse. Um, let's see. I've never seen Angel. Uh, apparently he directed two episodes of The Office. That's cool. Um, I've seen The Avengers, which, you know, it's an Avenger. It's a, it's a Marvel movie. Right. It, it definitely had his voice on it, which is cool. But, like, uh, I've, uh, I've seen Cabin in the Woods, which he wrote. Uh, and it's definitely yeah. got his, his fingers all over it. Which, because he's best friends with Drew Goddard. <laughs> Uh, and I've never seen much much ado about nothing, so it's like it's hit or miss because I'm still new to the Buffy verse. Like I'm not like in love with it yet, and I've never seen Firefly. I feel like those are the two and things that I'm missing. That's, yeah, but yeah. I I do appreciate like what he's doing for for, for like for female characters. I like that you know he's telling unique stories. I'm just like I'm not in love with them yet. Um, and and if. Dr. Horrible didn't do it, then it's definitely Firefly is would would be the deciding factor for you. Yeah, I and feel like. If, if Firefly doesn't do it, then nothing's going to do And, like, it. Firefly is only, like, what, a couple episodes? Cause it only uh, got one, one season. One full season. And I think that's all on Netflix, so I could knock yeah. that out at some point. I don't know why. Like, I gotta, I've got to look up the name of the show real quick. Because um, it reminded me of uh a space show i used to watch as a kid and i just in my brain i thought it was going to be the same thing so i never watched it uh it's a whenever i saw anything for firefly it was only screenshots and honestly it always looked really cheap looking it might not have been it might have just been you know screenshots can be very deceiving especially like characters standing in front of a set you know you just it's you know you know what i mean um in my mind, it reminded me of a TV show I watched as a kid called Space Cases. Susie's smarter than a million books Rattles really super strong And with 
Heard of it. It was a it was a Nickelodeon show shot in Canada, and uh, I just assumed it was a cheap show like that, so I never watched it. Um, but now that I'm hearing, you know, I, I know so many people who are huge fans of it, so it's it's definitely a show I want to watch. It just I guess I never got around to it. it it's it's half uh, half traditional space show, half western. I've heard that, and I'm curious how that plays into it. The The first couple episodes, it it took me a little while to embrace the style of dialogue that they use. Um, I also think it's, it's more because they're trying to set that Western dialogue standard. It's heavier in the first couple episodes and kind of calms out, but there's a lot of... I reckons and uh, so it's it's because like it is more western. It's a western that happens to be taking place on spaceships. Okay, it's like I've heard the term space western used before. Hell, some people call Star Wars a space western, right? And yeah. you know, I didn't know if it was space because like I remember at one point I was helping a buddy of mine write a cartoon, and his idea for it was it was going to be a space western cartoon, and. I didn't know how he meant by Space Western. I didn't know if he wanted, you know, like, Western themes. Because filmmaker Walter Hill, are you familiar with him? He no. directed He directed The Warriors, Brewster's Millions, 48 Hours. Oh, love Brewster's Millions. <laughs> he, he claims that every movie he's ever made is a Western. Okay. And that's because of more, not not because of aesthetics, because of themes. So I, okay. when I was writing this, I didn't know if he meant he wanted a space western in aesthetics or themes. So, of right. course, I went for aesthetics. And, <laughs> you know, I was writing it as a west, you know, full out as a western. It was Outlaw Star with, you know, fucking space right. horses. It was Westworld. And I had never seen Westworld, so I was doing my <laughs> version of what I thought Westworld was. Um, and he's like, no, this is not at all what I meant. So, like, when I've heard that, um, uh, what is it called? Um Firefly was a space western. I wasn't sure if it was like aesthetically or right or no very much so. I think I think it's the second episode, might be the third, where um, it's it's like a cattle drive in a sense. They load up their spaceship with a bunch of uh, cows and fly them <laughs> over somewhere to be cows or spa- are, are they cows or are they space cows? Uh, regular cows, but now in space. Oh. Probably against their will. Oh, um, cows. But there's a couple of people who are going to buy them, and then they want to shortchange them, and then there's a you know a pistol fight because the deal went south, and it very much aesthetically a Western. Okay, shit. Well, I do like Westerns. I didn't as a kid, but I do now. Yeah. Which you can hear all about in our Daddy Issues episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to plug our own <laughs> shit. Anyways, I guess we should get back to uh, Doctor Horrible. Yes. Um, jo- our Josh Whedon discussion is over, so I guess let me let me just uh, wrap all that up in saying, I'm being I, I'm not intending to be so d- hard on Josh Whedon, because uh, the thing Josh. is, like, I want to love him. I just don't yet. 
And he said some negative things about a movie I love. Granted, <laughs> he made, and he's got every right he to has say no that. right. <laughs> he shit talk uh, Kiefer Sutherland's dad, which I cannot think of his name at the moment. <laughs> Something Damn Sutherland. It. Yes. Merrick. <laughs> and he also had a great role in um, Beer Fest. As like the the head of the family that ends up dying and oh, I uh, forgot about that <laughs> bequeathing the beer recipe to the, to the yep. kids. Yep. Through, through the the weird puppet. Yep. Um, but this has nothing to do with Doctor Horrible. No, no, nothing. Um, but anyways, uh, you know my opinions, Doctor Horrible, a little bit. We're gonna uh, we're gonna expound upon them as we go. But you know, give me a little bit of your history, Doctor Horrible, Nick. Because okay. um, I'm curious. Uh, were you ever a supervillain in training? Uh, still am. Always okay. have been. Always okay. will be. I don't think I'll ever pull off the level of supervillainry that uh, Doctor Horrible does, and it's because I haven't had the level of tragedy that he has. No, that's fair. Um, I'm curious who um, Bad Horse, who he was to become a, the, right. the, the lead of... The, uh, the thoroughbred of sin? Yeah. I, I mean, I meant Gandhi. <laughs> oh, anyways, tell me your... Tell me your, um, um, your t- I, I was not aware of it when it was coming out, because this uh, series, film, however you want to word it... Um, had a lot of hype, like, even while it was being shot. Uh, If I understand the background of the story correctly, it was written during the writer's strike. Yep. um, That, where where Joss and his brother Jed were like, hey, we've got this cool idea, let's make this fun thing with our friends while we're not doing something else. And reminded me of the conversation that we had about, uh, was the... uh, Vinegar Syndrome, was it uh, Psychotop Returns? Yep. Where you were, you were talking about how, like, it was an opportunity to just have fun on set without all of the normal pressures associated with producing a big film. And that, like, that's what I feel when I watch this, is, like, the kind of sensation that I get on set because I don't have any pressure to produce any, like, we're just all having fun. Yeah, you you um, have you have the opportunity to fail, and yeah. like, it just felt like Whedon was call, was um was calling in favors, and not in a bad way. Like you know, they shot I think on the back lots of Warner Brothers, and it looks like all the same back lot sets that they shoot the exteriors for How I Met Your Mother. So okay. J- Joss and sure. uh, probably um, um, Neil Patrick Harris probably called in some favors. I know jo- <laughs> uh, Joss completely self financed this project. He okay. he said in an interview that he tried to go through a traditional means of financing, you know, Hollywood methods, and just wasn't working for him. Um, so he just put up two hundred thousand dollars of his own money, and he said, uh, he said, he he jokingly said, and this this amused me <coughs> that this was his midlife crisis. He didn't buy a car; he bought a a a, uh, a streaming musical. <laughs> That's a pretty great midlife. I hope mine's half as epic as that. Um, uh. And so, uh, yeah, and this is also a fun fact. This is right before he went off to do Marvel. Oh wow! So this I didn't is like realize that was so early on in his career. Yeah, so like he did this like right before. Like it's kind of funny. He originally left Marvel because of 
how little control he had. So he went from this project, which he did so he could have full creative control, to a project <laughs> where he's got none. And he, he also jokingly said, not even jokingly, maybe it was, uh, he made more money from Dr. Horrible in the long run than he did from them, all of his Marvel work. Let that sink in. Wow. For, for a film that he fully financed yep. himself and then offered online for free. Yes. Like, even ad-free, like, no revenue stream there. Yeah, let that well, sink in. Life, yeah. If, if only I were half as good as Joss Whedon, then I would take that and <laughs> use it as a life lesson. <laughs> you could take that to the bank. <laughs> Except, no, they don't, uh, they don't accept that currency. <laughs> Do you accept filmmaker cred? <laughs> let, let me give you a tip. No. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, there's a little so, bit of background about the uh, the 2007-2008 writer strike and how this came to be. So I, I wasn't aware of it then, which a lot of people were. In the behind-the-scenes uh, documentary, they talk about how like when they started shooting, a fan had put up, uh, I think DrHorrible.net and had already had a fan site up. And when they released, released the the teaser trailer, like they were that that they had to work very hard just to keep up with the fans on the tech and digital side of things. Um, That's crazy. Like there's yeah. fans before it even came out. Right. And and Joss actually, if I understand it correctly, leaned on Felicia a bit. For her expertise with the guild, I know when when he approached her about the project, he's like, "Yeah, I'm thinking," or or she had met him somewhere and said, "Have you seen the guild or something?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually thinking of doing this web thing myself." Um, so I think some of her expertise with producing a web series, I'm, I'm sure, came into that process. Um, but I discovered it later after it had been released on Netflix. I believe a friend introduced me to it. And um, like immediately hooked. The the songs were amazing. The the storytelling is so great. I loved the concept of this villain origin story that that surprised you that that's what it was. Like, yeah. I when you sit down and see somebody just in a silly outfit sitting in front of their computer screen, like you're not expecting it to be this very serious and dark villain origin story that that just that's what keeps me going back and watching it over and over again yeah um that that uh, felicia day's character is such a great foil to neil patrick harris's character where they're both they both see the same problems in their society and they're and they both want to do something about it but um penny is doing it right penny yeah, Penny. Uh, through through hope, and and good, and he's doing it through uh, what's what's his line? Uh, the world is a mess, and I just have to rule it. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that line. I, I don't know why that line uh, struck stuck with me so much. And actually, uh, I actually have the script pulled up, and I was rereading through it while I was uh, um, while I was waiting for like the. Uh, for um our, our our connection to work yeah and uh it was it was just amusing me like how much exa- they stuck to script on it i know uh they they had several writers and um 
they had described it as by by the time that the script was done, you couldn't tell whose parts were who because they flowed together so intricately. My my favorite though, um, my favorite line for because I'm I'm looking at the script right now is uh, when he's talking to uh, when he's re- he's he's replying to emails. And he says, by the way, it's not about making money. It's about taking money, destroying the status quo, because the status is not quo. The world is a mess, and I just need to rule it. And, and that's always stuck with me. It says me. he's holding up the bag of uh, liquefied gold bars. Captain Hammer, corporate tool. Um, so, so I watched it then, immediately fell in love with it, bought the DVD, um, so I always saw it as more of a movie versus, you know, a short feature film rather than a web series. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the music is so good. Yeah, I agree to that. <laughs> and it's such a big part. Like, usually you get like an hour and a half to spread the same amount of music throughout. So you get a lot more in between the songs. Uh, the majority of this piece is music. No, and there's I, very little bits in between. And I also appreciate too, like how they uh, they play with the music a little bit. Like there's that scene where um, Doctor Horrible's trying to steal the van, and Penny comes up to him, still singing, and they bump into each other, and the singing stops. Yeah. Like, she's singing, he's not singing. Like he's not part of that musical number, and that just for some reason really, uh, really, sh- I, I I could not stop laughing at that. Or the uh, all the bad horse uh, songs where the the three cowboys, one of which might be one of the Wheatons, I would be might surprised. Be Jed, um, where they come in with their big comedic mustaches and hats and like they're galloping as they sing. Which um, I'll continue. Immediately pop out a screen when the song's done, as if they were never there. I was gonna say, like my my first note for this is what this reminds me of, because I always like to come up with like it's this meets this. Yeah. This is the Venture Brothers, meets Cannibal the Musical. Nice. I was I was hoping you were going with Blazing Saddles, but I was not disappointed with Cannibal the Musical. I'm glad that you you you've seen Cannibal the Musical. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like as soon as like they popped out a screen, I was like, oh shit, those are the those are the fur traders from Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> not as good as Orgasmo, but still a very good film. Yes, exactly. Jesus and I love you, Michael. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's like especially with the 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 evil guild. It's like oh, that's totally Venture Brothers esque. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then especially at the end because David Bowie's there, <laughs> right? Which I need and I, Poison Ivy. I need to point out like I was looking at the the list of who, who the names for those supervillains, and they've all got they, names. They they all are named. Yes. Uh, it's Tie Dye, Snake Bite, Professor Normal, Dead Bowie. Fake Thomas Jefferson, Fury Laika, and Bad Horse. I, I, my favorite is Fake Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, totally. And then there's uh, uh, Dr. Horrible's buddy who's either a roommate or a neighbor. I couldn't tell moist. Who, whose superpower is moist. Yeah. yeah. At, at most, I've made people want to take a shower. Yeah. Or at my most badass. I uh... 
So yeah, the Doctor Horrible was uh like I'm actually surprised. I said it was something I knew about. Uh, I was dating a girl who who was really into it, and I honestly just thought it was like a cult type. It was a cult thing that like it had its fans, but I just didn't think it made uh the um the impression it did. And I'm looking at its awards, and like Time Magazine named it number 15 in Time's top 50 inventions of 20, 2008. <laughs> and uh, That's I think someone else said it's like the best thing to come out of the writer's strike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's it, it's won Hugo's it, it's won Hugo Awards. It's won People's Choice Awards. Uh, something called the Streamy. Which just I think it says steamy every time I look at it. <laughs> uh, Creative Arts Emmy Awards. It's it's done way more than I would have thought it did. It's one of the as, as a film major. Once you figure out how the sausage gets made, it's hard to see films the same way. Like you're always looking at camera angle and edits and performance and direction, and you you never really get back that in a sense that you watched films that before you become a filmmaker. Yeah, I agree right? to you that. Can't, you can't sit back and filter out all of that knowledge you have of the process. No, like even it, even if a movie works for me, like there's, there's, I, I've got a pretty good suspension of disbelief where I can watch something and be like, okay, I'm in this world. I'm not constantly thinking of it as, you know, just like, oh, that's where they move the camera. But yeah. I, there are, there are definitely times where I was like, oh, that was a dumb that was a like uh like I, I me and Amanda watched Clerks for the she's never seen Clerks and we watched okay. it and I was like oh and I you know I was completely in it and I was like oh they broke the one eighty rule right there right yeah <laughs> um but every once in a while you come across a film that at least gets close to that and I think for me it comes down to how much fun what somehow the fun that they have on set translates across the screen somehow and this was an example of that um the other film not so much in fun but but ones that got close to getting back to that pure innocent viewing scenario which we've i've talked about many times is um uh the prestige mm-hmm. um where um with dr horrible saint alon blog after i watched it I thought to myself, I have to go make a movie, like, right now. Yeah. Because that is so much fun. Yeah. For me, what, what strangely, because, like, you said, like, once you know how a sausage made, it's, <laughs> it changes things. Uh, for me, the movies that um, still leave me baffled to an extent, and it's really dumb, but uh, <laughs> are, are big blockbuster CGI films. Sure. Because here's the thing. I like if I'm watching say something like Doctor Horrible or Clerks, I know how it's done. I can picture I can pixelize it. That's not even word. I can picture <laughs> I can picture it. I can figure it out and I can even be like, "Oh, if I wanted to, I could totally do this myself." Right. Yeah. However, with like a big say like for example, the first Avengers film, yeah, it it is broke, you know, it's a bunch of camera angles and whatnot, but like once you get down to like choreographing giant monsters and cgi scenes and pre-visualizing it's like my brain just turns off and it's like i don't know how this is done <laughs> it's just computers man right. so it's like those are the easiest movies for me to like those are the ones i seem to be the easiest on because i can't critique them from a filmmaking method because i'm still like flabbergasted about how they're done yeah so like i'll go see a, like a big budget say marvel movie and i'll be like it was a movie i didn't hate it nor did i like 
fall in love with it's like you know it just it is and like i just i can suspend my disbelief so much easier something like that than i can if like clerks sure um we're we're jumping around quite a bit as usual i don't even know what i i don't need to justify it i'm gonna jump around right now um i feel like people come to this show for the conversation so yeah and and our dreaminess um, yes, I I kind of see a parallel between, at least from the way that I viewed these two filmmakers, between Joss Whedon and Sam Raimi. Okay, where they started out with very independent roots. Let's get our friends together with some cameras and try and make something neat. Yeah, and and they get these cult followings, and then prove themselves in kind of this middle ground where they're making more studio films and doing them really well and still engaging the audience and intriguing people and then move into superhero movies. You know, it's interesting too, like what I can definitely see that connection between the two, but it's kind of interesting to me that Joss Whedon almost restarted his career after Buffy. Like if you think about it, like, you know, he had huge success with Buffy and then, like, he, it didn't translate to him going off and doing huge studio films. He still did television for a little bit, but then he kind of went back to doing the indie thing before he got Marvel. And, like, sure. I, it, it, like it, to me, it's like, you know, he almost had to re—he almost had to rediscover himself. Yeah. And then um, I feel like he's also might be doing that again soon because of how unhappy he was working with Marvel. Sure. Like, and I think yeah, I know. He, oh, continue. I'll be very excited to see what he comes out with in the future. Same. Like, I know right now he's doing Justice League because he's helping his friend Zack Snyder finish it because Zack Snyder's, uh, one of his kids just died. Oh. Uh, so Joss stepped in to help finish the film. Um, so I know he's doing that. Um, but no, it's kind of like, um, I had a perfect example and I cannot think of it. Um, (laughs) I'm blanking, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know. Oh, Peter Jackson. Uh, I keep hoping that Peter Jackson will you know go back to his roots and go back to like the type of stuff he was making back in the days of like Bad Taste and Dead Alive <laughs> and get right. out of the Hobbit's world and because he's lost a lot of his creative voice and sometimes you just need to go back and do something small. Jean Favreau did it with um Chef. Yeah. And and that guy has a prolific directing career. Jean Favreau. I, yeah. Every time I, I'm like, oh, he did that. Holy crap! Like it's one more thing that he's done. It's crazy too. You go back and watch the first movie he directed, made, and it's like you could tell watching that's like this dude is just on fire. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he directed it or not. I believe he starred in it. Uh, the Big Empty. Have you seen that? I have not. Um, it, in hindsight, I drew a lot of parallels between that and my film, Normal. Um, really? It, you know, I do that, like Normal, so. It, it's that delivering a mysterious package to a strange situation, and then you never really figure out what the hell it was all about. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen this movie. Apparently some guy named Steve Anderson directed it. Okay. It stars it has, John Favreau. 
stars him and uh Kelsey Grammer also has a small role in the film. What? Wow, this this uh this fucking cast. John Favreau, Joey Lauren Adams, Bud Court, Daryl Hannah, <laughs> Rachel Lee Cook. Who's not in this Sean Bean? Right. Did he die? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this movie. Um, Add it to the shame list. I'm going to. Ding, but, ding, um, ding, ding. <laughs> I feel like we keep getting off topic of Dr. Horrible, but I, yeah. I, I have a reason for that. It's only 40 minutes. It it's, is. It's a, shor- it's a like, shorty. Like, I, I feel like I knew, kind of knew this episode in itself was going to be it was gonna be short. Yeah. Um, so I guess what, uh, even my notes are kind of weird because I, I was making notes on things that I found funny. Because, like, for me, all the heart came at the end. Like, right. not all of it, but I feel like you know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, like, it, it, the it end starts kind out of solidified. very light. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it started with the, had their cute story and, you know, the laundry yeah. and, um, you know, the, they... And I almost feel like if this was longer, <laughs> they could have, like, expelled upon some of this. Like, um, expand. I'm sorry, expanded upon some of this. Like, you know, like, little things that, like... You know, like, him trying to change himself for her. Like, when she's, you know, he's like, well, when he's saying, this is such a dumb task. And she's like, I like laundry. And he changes his mind. It's like, oh, that could have <laughs> been, like, if this was, like, a full-length movie, it could have been a reoccurring theme or something. You know, like. What cr- what crazy random happenstance. Yeah. Um, Billy, you're driving a sport into your leg. <laughs> oh, am I? Um. Though, uh, however, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think like, uh, I, I hope someone out there does a super cut of any time that in uh, How I Met Your Mother, Mother Barney Stint says, "You read my blog," it would cut to this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> There's also there was a short-lived web series called uh, Neil Patrick's Neil Patrick Harris's Something Dreams, where it it would it would be him and then like. He would somehow get knocked out or fall asleep, and there would be like an animated or puppet dreams. It was oh. it was him with puppets, puppets in his dreams, and in one of them, he the video starts out with him going to the doctor, and Nathan Fillion is the doctor, and they somehow manage to rattle off in their three or four sentences like every film or project that either they've done together or the, I think it's things that he's done and um at some point they mention how he's this doctor is horrible or something that's one of the bits so yeah check out neil patrick harris's puppet dreams i believe goodness look at my wrist yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so like i don't know i i'm finding it hard to find thematic strands to focus on and and it's not anything to do with the the film or the series in itself because like i i really enjoyed it it's just i'm finding it hard to analyze because it's like a lot of my love for it came from that last shot and if that last shot wouldn't have been there you know i i probably still would have enjoyed it but like it added a whole new emotional resonance to me and especially because it was so quick and like that's what I keep thinking about and going back to is just his disheveled, like beaten down look, where he's gotten everything he's he's ever wanted, but not really, because he was With doing the, all this to get Penny, and yeah. Penny's gone. Well, and there's this point too where he wasn't 
I don't think he was doing it all to get Penny. I think those were two separate things. He was trying to somehow fix the world that he had all these problems with. And then he was also in love with this girl. And because those were his two driving forces, he kind of intertwined the two in a way that didn't necessarily make sense because he routinely says, like, I hope Penny's not here to see me do this evil yeah, thing, good but point. it's because I'm going to do something big that she's going to be so impressed with me. So there's a contradiction in, in him entwining those things, and I think what it comes down to is that he had a choice. Does, does he become an evil villain, or does he try and get the girl, and because he focused on trying to become evil, he lost the girl? Yeah. And like I said, that's... Um kind of like this weird chicken and the egg scenario but um uh, yeah yeah doop <laughs> but no like i guess i've said it many times I, I really enjoyed this and i feel like it's going to be something i'm going to watch occasionally go back to and just find new things i like about it but um I yeah, guess the, like I want I wanted more from it, and not necessarily like a sequel or anything. I just like I'd watch a scene and it's like I just and it's a web series, so you know you're only gonna get what it, it's it's broken into three acts. But it's like I just kept hoping it's like oh I'd like a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Yeah, and that's I think the hallmark of a good story too. If, yeah, uh, there there's certainly the risk that had they released it as an hour and a half long piece, that it would have been it wouldn't have been as impactful and as you know, yeah, because like, good. I honestly went in not to, not knowing how I was gonna feel about it, and not because I didn't think I was gonna like it. It just like I thought it was gonna be a lot. I also thought it was gonna be a lot dumber than it actually was. <laughs> and it has that kind of silly lightness to it that, um, I, you know, if just the title alone, yeah, says don't take this too seriously. Um, and there's a horse. And it, there's a there's a it, fucking horse. This I was not expecting man. I was not expecting Bad Horse to be a actual horse. <laughs> it's he is the, uh, the like the grandchild of the horses from Gone with the Wind. Oh my God, that's why Bad Horse is bad. Yeah, because his ancestor got whipped to death. Oh my God, origin story. Bum bum bum. Here's our new content, season two, Doctor Horrible's or Bad Horses Saint Alon blog. I hope it's, it's all like the three cowboys, and I hope yeah, because I hope the horse doesn't actually speak. He just whinnies, and the cowboys come out and translate. Dude, do, do, do you think Bad Horse didn't practice his whinny? His chilling, or I forget the adjective. Oh, it was. Uh, um, you have the script right there. I mean, if, if you're if you're going to get into the evil league of evil, you have to have a memorable laugh. I mean, do you think Bad Horse didn't work on his whinny? His terrible death. <laughs> Winnie. <laughs> Winnie. <laughs> and I'm so glad that uh, it, in that where that final confrontation scene between Dr. Horrible and Captain Hammer when he fires off the, the freeze ray element yeah. uh, before he plans on using the death ray, he does that, that thing that he was practicing in the very beginning of the, the film. Laugh? That, yeah. ha, ha, ha. It's, it, I've been seeing a vocal coach. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <laughs> strengthening the aha <laughs> that totally paid off <laughs> hey, a lot of you guys ignore the laugh and that's about standards it's just come on 
You're better than that. I do have to say, though, I'm looking at the script, and um, I don't know as much about Joss Whedon. Uh, d- did he have a background in theater? I don't know. Because the script... I'm going to pause for just a moment. Hi. Yeah, I'm going to eat it. It's, I ate half of the pea. It's delicious. And I'll eat the cherry when I'm done here, okay? All right. Child! <laughs> um, but no, the reason I asked is because I'm looking at the script, and it's written... Not like a script. It's written in a three-act structure like a play, and, you know, and it'll, it will just... It will have the location laundromat underlined, and then just have the character in the dialogues or the song. Sure, that that the script was structured more as a musical than a film. Yeah, like there's no description whatsoever about what the characters are doing or anything, and like it's not, you know how in a script like you know they usually the character names are in the middle of the script, and this one's like you know all the way to the, it's 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 laid out exactly like a a stage play. Okay. So, Interesting. That, yeah, that, like, this is I'm, this is the most you'll get. Doctor Horrible sits with blank expression. That's it. And I'm purely speculating here, but that could have been the influence of either Jed or Marissa. Also, uh, Marissa did a lot of the writing. She was one of the three uh, Captain Hammer fans. <laughs> uh, I love the Captain wrote, Hammer fans. <laughs> for a sweater vest. Um, we do the weird stuff (laughs) oh that was another thing that i found really interesting is just in general how how sexually innocent all of these characters are yeah i know captain hammer who's really excited about the second time because it's gonna be weird and uh dr horrible who's like they're probably on a date french kissing like there's this really great innocence about the whole thing i know and then like uh like near the end of captain hammer's like we slept together and her just like weird like (laughs) (laughs) yeah we totally had sex as a line in the song yep um but no yeah i'm noticing that um uh like uh i'm wondering also because like um because he he wrote it with his brother zach who's a television writer and and jed who's a composer so like i wonder if like this was just easier for them to picture yeah it certainly makes sense for you know what the content is um but it's an interesting choice yeah so that's why, because I also know, like, after he did this, he, he went off and did Much Ado About Nothing, which I haven't seen, but, like, he, he, he also did that super cheap, and, like, he did it in his, he, just, he shot it in his own house. Uh, <laughs> and since that's also a play, I'm just curious if there was, like, some connection that I'm not. Sure. I'm not, I'm not connecting. So. All right, dude. Well, I think uh, even though it is shorter than usual, I think it's fitting for the the piece, and I I th- hate to stammer on for twenty minutes. Yeah, I, I thought little. I was I was trying to think of what else we could talk about. Uh, uh, do we have any idea what we want to do next? We mentioned something last when we were talking, but I forget what we. Him, I don't. So. I don't remember if it was like Taxi Driver or something or we wait no no that would be my driver, option. But there was yeah, but there, there was something, we have to do something else for we you. That. Yeah. We have to do something for you because this was mine. Um, let me pull up the shame list and see if I can look at your all right. Your uh, your shame list that you put up. Films. 
What looks good to you? Let's see. I'm trying to find something that I might have uh, some context in. Because you made a good point that it's always good when we have things like that. Uh, go to the notes option. I'm just talking out loud now, so that way... Doopa doopa doop. It's not uh, so uh, dead. I'll, I'll sing while we wait. He saw the operation you tried to pull today. But your humiliation means he still votes nay. All right. There, <laughs> uh, there's a couple on here that I, I really like. Uh, so I'm gonna just leave, I'm just gonna read off a couple of them and then you can pick. Okay. Um, whatever happened to Baby Jane would be a good one. Planet of the Apes would also be a good one. Heather's, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Rocky, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, Labyrinth is always good. Mad Max. I think we'll we'll go Heather's. Heather's. We've mentioned that Heathers. one several times. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's well. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so. And hopefully this won't become our next Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we, we will actually record it as our next episode. Hopefully. Um, I guess before we, we wrap up, I uh, I want to. I am thinking about occasionally doing. A, it's not even really a segment. Just occasionally on this show, when I rewatch something I haven't seen in a while. And just kind of okay. like talking about reflections, and since I've seen it, um, you know. So whenever I get back to around to watching more Buffy, or if I watch more Star Trek, you know, that way I can kind of check in and be like, "This is where I'm at now," but it's not exclusive. I want to. Oh, didn't you? I want to do that with uh, Twin Peaks, especially with the new yeah, stuff which coming out. It's. I'm just gonna say this because it's no spoilers. If you like the weirder aspects of Twin Peaks, th- this is like pure heroin, David Lynch Twin Peaks. The new season. I'm loving it, but I've got friends who can't stand it. <laughs> but regardless, um, and it's and it's not exclusively things that we've talked about on the show. Just anything that, you know, you have revisited. Like, um, Amanda, my wife, has had a very interesting relationship that, with uh, Kev, the films of Kevin Smith because she's seen them in a very weird order. Uh, she saw Zack and Miri when she was, you know, like um, living on her own, and she loved it, not really even really knowing who Kevin Smith was. I think that might have been her first movie with him. And then, you know, I meet her. I took her to the theater to see Tusk and Yoga Hosers, <laughs> which is his newest stuff, which is, you know, pure, unadulterated uh, pothead Kevin Smith, which <laughs> I still love, but they're, they're just really weird films. Uh, and then somewhere in there, I showed her Chasing Amy and I think Dogma. So it's, a, and then like Mall Rats, we're, so we're watching them in a very weird order. Yeah. So I thought, well, you've never seen Clerks. And we had some time yesterday morning. Go back to morning. the beginning. We, we, we watched Clerks, and I'm re- I realized on this viewing, because it's been a couple years since I've seen it, this movie meant more to me when I was in high school than it does now. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I don't mean on an inspirational level. I still watch Clerks and being like, yeah, this is definitely one of the things that inspired me to go out and make a movie, and it still has that quality. But God, when you when you are when you are siding more with Randall Graves as being this as being the voice of reason in this film, there's a problem. Because like the, in, through the entire watching, I'm like, I can't stand you, Dante. <laughs> Your problems are so stupid and childish, and you should feel bad. But he shouldn't even be there today. Like the fact that like he is just like, you know, he he's openly uh, cool with the idea that he's gonna cheat on his cheat on his girlfriend and then gets pissed off at randall for like you know essentially cutting the cord for him 
and then pissed off that he's lost his actual girlfriend. It's like... Hold on a second. What, sweetie? Okay, then just put it on the table. I'll be done in a minute. Sorry. I'm keeping you from your child. Um, I don't know. I was, was watching... It's like I'm having the same issue as I'm rewatching through Scrubs right now. Half the time, I don't like most of the characters because their decisions are stupid as hell. Um, yeah. But so it's like I watch... I watch Clerks, and I'm still having fun with it, and I still appreciate a lot of the nerd banter, but it's like, when it comes down right. to the core of what their story is about, I still I think Clerks 2 is a better film in that respect. Uh, I, I talked about that a little bit with, uh, in my solo episode, about how, like, there became this point where with, and I said it in, with regards to Boy Meets World and The Simpsons, where all of a sudden I started, like, associating with the parents yep. of the shows rather than the kids of the shows and like whoa okay that was weird <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of crazy like and especially because like i never viewed these characters as being like early 20s because they always looked so old to me right but yeah. now it's like i feel like I, it's weird to think that i am older now than those characters are in the movie yeah and it's just kids cause especially because i started watching it like when i when they were older than me and i was like oh you know, and for some reason, their problems seemed a lot more like monumental at the time, like in high school. <laughs> but I'm looking back at it; it's like it's it's easy decision. You go with the girlfriend you are currently with. You don't go yeah, with the just, the skank that's. This isn't rocket science. Yeah, you yeah. don't go with the one that's supposed to be marrying an Asian design major. <laughs> Made better life decisions. So it's um, I just wanted to touch on Clerks and how it's strange that it's both like <laughs> I watch it and I'm equally as inspired and annoyed at the same time. Right, yeah. But like you said, I and I agree, there's uh, Clerks and, and all of Kevin Smith's stuff has has this indie spirit to it that is inspiring. That even if you've grown out of the problems that they're discussing as early 20-somethings, like as a filmmaker looking at that and knowing what he did with what he had, we can do that and we can impact a lot of people if we can if i can just somehow figure out a way to get the stuff in front of people's eyeballs <laughs> no and it's, and it's actually funny if you if you ever listen to kevin smith's podcast he was doing this thing a couple of years ago or he'd get really high and rewatch his old movies you know especially you know because he's like a 40 year old man now watching things that he made 20 years ago when he was right. a teenager and um, would would write comments about it when he was too stoned to remember it, and then reread him the next morning. And he is like, I like he was watching Mallrats, and he's like, I really hate the character of T. S. Quint. This would be so much better if a big dragon would just fly through the sky. <laughs> it it would distract you from his annoying voice and his and his bad problems. <laughs> so I just like that he's re-reviewing his own stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's all I got. Unless you anything you want to talk about before we uh, skip the addle. No, I don't think so, man. Um, I just I love Doctor Horrible. I'm glad I could introduce it to you, and uh, I am now further ma- made sure that even if we don't get to it soon, that Firefly goes on your shame list. It 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 is. It, I think it might actually be on my shame list. I thought, but. Ooh. Um, but no, it is definitely uh, on my list of things to watch, and um, it's always fun. The thing I like about this show is every time we record an episode, because like, I feel like I know you pretty well, but I don't know you 
as well because we don't we don't live in the same state and we only talk right. like very rarely but the reason i we know uh, each other through our art and our creative opinions yeah we the thing i like about doing this show is um i like doing this show with someone i don't know very well because then it gives me a chance to discover someone's taste like if i were to do this to say like my best friend or something it'd be a little different because i know them super well and i feel like we would start yeah. catering like so it's kind of cool to learn someone's taste as we go yeah cool the same to all you. right well <laughs> i think that is uh it is it i don't think that is it for uh our, our current episode <coughs> of the shameless picture show um yeah go enjoy your day with your intern nick yes your, i will your, your child labor intern and um i was i'm sure there is a great dr horrible line to say right at this moment and i can't think of a single one hold on i got i got a list of ones that i liked <laughs> what crazy random happenstance home is where the heart is so your real home <laughs> is in your chest <laughs> you're a hero in your own not that heroic way goodness look at my wrist time to go nick <laughs> there it is that's the one <laughs> all right nick you have a good you have a good week man you too and we will see you next time right here same bat station bat cast okay i'm hitting stop now <laughs> bye <laughs>